Okay, so we've got a bunch going on. We're glad you're with us. I told you before, had a little bit of a dilemma about how to even bring the Kirby audio onto the show. I think I've come up with a solution. You can judge me, see how well we did. It is on the way next. It's Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. And it begins right now. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I firmly believe and could never be convinced otherwise, I have the greatest job in the world. I get to come on here and talk to all of you and talk about Georgia football each and every day. However, there is a weird thing about my job in that because we do Dog Nation Daily every day, it couldn't be Dog Nation Daily if we didn't do it every day, because we do it every day, Monday through Friday, there's this sense in which I'm never quite not thinking about the next day's show. Now, thankfully, I like living that way. I almost I told our video audience this before the show began today. I almost enjoy preparing for the show as much, if not more so, than I enjoy doing the show. It's kind of like the way a football player, football coach, they love practice. They love the, 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 the regular day-in, day-out grind, and the games are just the thing that you do to show how well you've been practicing. I feel like the show that we do is a reflection of how well we've prepared, and I actually really enjoy the preparation part. And it's a good thing that I do because if I didn't, it would just be too much. It would, it would just overwhelm me at a certain point in time because you're always just kind of trying to stay plugged into what Georgia fans are talking about, what what college football fans kind of care about. You're always thinking about the next day show. So when the thing kind of erupted yesterday afternoon into last night, and a lot by now a lot of you are aware of this, that some somehow, some way, and who knows how any of this stuff happens um, in 2021. I have my suspicions, but I'll push those aside for a moment. Uh, you know, somehow, some way, there's this audio that gets leaked onto the internet of Kirby Smart and his halftime speech supposedly against Florida where I mean he is just so fired up uh obviously you know the, the language is adult language I don't really speak that way in my personal life but I don't really care what a football coach says to football players that's a totally different realm I don't do that for a living if I did that for a living maybe I'd speak that way too I don't know uh, I'm not interested in judging Kirby Smart for the language he uses one way or another that's just not my job to do that um but in terms of the tone and the intensity of the speech you're just so – I mean, I've heard a thousand people say, but yeah, I just run through a wall for Kirby Smart after hearing that. And I felt the same way. Man, I was ready. I, I could have wrestled a bear after hearing Kirby Smart challenging that Georgia team to go out there and finish the second half against Florida the way they finished the first half. And it's just great. However, as somebody who thinks about the show all the time, my mind is immediately processing, all right, how can I even use this audio on the show? Because when I tell you that it's profane, I mean, it is so profane. Now, you've heard us before. We've bleeped things for clips because, you know, we're on the radio in Athens, so we're governed by FCC regulations there. And, you know, I also have bosses that have a certain standard that they <laughs> expect me to adhere to around here. So even if we uh, weren't uh, FCC regulated on the radio, I've still got, you know uh, – I still got a lot of folks up the corporate hierarchy that I got to keep got to keep happy on a day in day out basis. So I can't just go out here just playing every kind of profane piece of audio possibly. And if I bleep this audio as much as it needs to be bleeped, well, there's just no context for it whatsoever. It's also kind of a worthless conversation to talk about something because while a lot of you are really plugged in and you know exactly what I'm talking about when I mention the speech that's all over the internet. We also have a pocket of Georgia fans who are busy. They work. They raise families. They manage businesses. They are they are you know captains of industry. They are powerful people who don't 
follow every single twist and turn of the of of the Georgia media sphere, the 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 social media, you know, whatever the the the, the hot button issues are. They don't get all of that. They come to this show to provide that. So I've got this thing that has to be talked about because it's so interesting, almost impossible to share online on, on a show like this because it's so profane. And yet, if I try to talk about this without giving people an example of what I'm talking about, there's just no context for it whatsoever. So I'm like, as much as I was enjoying the video, there's this like huge dilemma of how do you even get this thing out there for the world to experience if, uh, if, if you know, just given the, the, the constraints of what we deal with here each and every day. So here is the compromise I've kind of come up with. Now, quick backstory on me. So I grew up, uh, you know, kind of a child of the 80s into the 90s. And back then, we had like the basic cable, but we didn't have like the, the premium cable. I mean, for like five minutes, um, I think my grandparents had HBO, but, you know, back then all the words had like all of the movies had like all the, you know, the adult language in them. And so they got rid of that pretty quick. So when I was growing up, all I really had was like USA Network or even back in the old days, you had like Channel 36. You know, if you're talking about like local, like, uh, uh, you know, was it, I guess that's UHF channels. But a lot, of, a lot of USA Network, a lot of TNT, a lot of uh, what else other channels used to play the movies. And so it's the movie and it's the Hollywood movie. It's the movie that you could have seen in the theaters. It's the movie the cool kids were watching on HBO. It's the movie the cool kids were renting on VHS. But I didn't really have access to any of that kind of stuff. All I really had access to was like the basic cable version of this, which was very edited. And it was like enough that you could kind of figure out what was going on with it. But it was still, you know, it's 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 pretty edited all the way around that you're missing a lot of the real oomph that goes along with that. And a lot of you know what I'm talking about here. But for those of you that don't, let me take let me give an example. 1995 terrific movie casino are you familiar with this it's martin scorsese uh, directed picture about how the mob was you know helped you know kind of build las vegas or at least had a big role in the kind of the early days of las vegas it's joe pesci it's it's uh robert de niro this is a classic movie but it's also a hard r rating there's a lot of bad language so if you're watching on, you know, VHS back in the old days or DVD back in the old days, no problem. You're watching it on Showtime, HBO, something like that, no problem. But if you're watching it on basic cable, given the fact the basic cable couldn't just let, let all the bad words fly, you had to have the, the TV edit to make this work. So as a way of kind of giving some context for what the TV edit used to be like, here is what would otherwise be a very profane interaction in the movie Casino that was kind of cleaned up for television. Here's about 10, 15 seconds of this. Take a listen, just so we're all on the same page here. I don't know whether you know this or not, but you only have your lousy casino because I made that possible. I'm what counts out here. Not your fancy country clubs or your fancy TV shows. And what the heck are you doing on TV anyhow? You know, I get calls from back home every single day. They think you went bozo. Only on TV because I got to be able to hang around a casino. You want So you get a little bit of an idea there. I mean, Joe Pesci saying heck. Joe, Joe Pesci doesn't say heck. That's not the kind of thing that he would say. But for the TV, you have to kind of insert that in there. The fancy TV show or the fancy whatever else. I think we can use our imagination and know that in the actual movie, that's not what Joe Pesci says. So maybe you've seen the TV edits before, maybe you haven't. But the idea of the TV edit did give me the thought of, ooh, maybe this is a way for me to get some of this Kirby Smart speech, which you can actually listen. If you want to listen to the full thing, there's a link to it at dognation.com. You can go do that there. 
but maybe this is a way for me to get like the Kirby Smart thing on the air with some context without getting myself in any kind of trouble with my bosses or FCC for radio or you know the the podcast platforms, the uh, big tech overlords, whatever else. Maybe this is my way of kind of not getting in trouble with, with with all of them. So let me let you judge this for yourself. Here is my attempt to take some of this speech, fiery, intense. Kirby Smart challenges his team to dominate Florida in the second half using the kind of profane language that you would expect from a football coach in a locker room setting. But this is my way of cleaning it up for kind of a family friendly audience. Y'all judge me and see how well I did with this. Take a listen. Flipping. 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 Stop. Behinds. Flipping. Gentlemen. So how do you think that went? Is that, 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 that go okay? Gives you a little context for what maybe Kirby Smart was saying there without uh, getting ourselves in trouble. In all honesty, as I said before, I, I really enjoyed what uh, – the fact that that leaks out onto the internet, I think that's really fun. As somebody who hates Florida, you just love the idea that Kirby Smart hates him there as well. You love the idea that one of the things that he challenges his team with is, this is our year. He uses an adjective for the word year, but whether you include that or not, the, 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 the notion that Smart, I think, really believes that. And I think Smart's really pushing his team there in that regard. He wants to see them break them on offense and defense. That's the kind of physicality that, uh, that Smart uh has made the hallmark of this team, and it's all working out really well right now. So kind of a lighthearted way to get things going here today. I really enjoyed that. Uh, I'm glad that it leaked on the Internet, whether it was a sanction leak or whether it was something that somebody else just snuck onto there. One way or another, I think it paints Georgia in the intense light that's authentic and true to this team right now. They're going out there looking to break its opponents each and every week, and so far so good as far as all of that is concerned. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Hello to you, and uh, good to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today. Video starting at 945 for our first in 15. DogNation.com, the Dog Nation app. On video after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch at uh, 10 a.m. We do it on video for you each and every day. Of course, podcast form, however you find them, the Apple Player, the Spotify, WorldFamousDogNation.com, all kinds of ways to listen to podcasts. Radio at noon, Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref. We are just really glad to have you as a part of the uh, program. Also, coming up today, we have a very special guest, something we have not done here in a little while, but I'm going to be happy to welcome on Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart, who always has great things to say, followed the dogs for a long time, knows the landscape around the rest of the SEC, meeting with these coaches all throughout the offseason. He's got great insight on what's happening around UGA, the SEC. We'll talk to Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart, here coming up in just a moment. Before that, I also want to get ready to go around the doghouse, which is presented today and furnished today by our friends at Rooms to Go. Now, I want to try to get serious here a little bit after a little bit of a lighthearted start. Listen, there's nothing wrong with being a little lighthearted and having a little bit of fun on a uh, time in which Georgia's handled its business in the SEC and now tuning up for a couple of weeks before getting ready to go take on, we presume, Alabama in the SEC championship game. We'll see if that actually works out that way. But let's kind of get a little bit serious here for a moment around the doghouse. As I said before, furnished by rooms to go. One of the interesting things to take place in the game against Tennessee on Saturday was a personnel change along the offensive line where Warren Erickson, I guess, was dealing with a little bit of a illness. There was a kind of a flu outbreak, we were told, for the Georgia team. Erickson, one of the guys that dealt with that, um, he steps off in his place, steps Xavier Truss. Truss is a guy we've seen at tackle before for Georgia, started at left tackle, for instance, 
in the Sugar Bowl game uh, against Cincinnati at the end of last season. But now apparently he's been working in there at the guard spot. And I think a lot of folks thought that when Trust came in, Georgia got a little bit of a boost. And that interior of the offensive line has seemingly been a little bit of a work in progress all year for Georgia. Uh, but is the insertion of Trust going to be a start of some new good things for Georgia? And could could Trust in that spot there at that uh, right uh, right guard spot could it be the kind of thing that sticks here for the rest of the season? Maybe making some folks remember back when Ben Cleveland came in as a starter late in the 2017 year and the impact, the boost, that seemed to give Georgia there at the time. Well, Kirby Smart was asked about Trust yesterday and kind of gave his evaluation of not just what Trust did in the game against Tennessee, but kind of what he's been doing leading up to that opportunity to move to guard and get some playing time against an SEC foe on the road. Here's Kirby Smart on that. Trust has done a good job. Uh, he's worked at, at guard. Um, he's, he, he and Warren have both worked in there some. You know, Warren was still out yesterday with the uh, with the flu symptoms from the game, but he was back today uh, and working. And, and Xavier is Xavier has a lot of ability. Um, Xavier's biggest thing is can he carry over and focus and concentrate to do the things he has to do and really play with a lot of intensity. So that that's one of the things is dependability is the biggest thing with Xavier is is snap count assignment. And to his credit, he hasn't been at guard as long as our guards. You know, like Warren has kind of played in there since he got here. Um, Xavier was moved in there, and now he's been there for a while, but he still hasn't seen the, the twist and the action as much as Warren has. So I think that the smart description there for Trust is a pretty good one in that you certainly get the impression that, that Xavier's been like right there on the cusp uh, being a guy they felt very good about playing for quite some time. In fact, they did feel good enough about him to make him the starter at left tackle a year ago. I think maybe to the surprise of some who maybe thought, well, that'd be a, a you know a, a role that would have gone to somebody else, Broderick Jones, someone along uh, along those lines. And yet, instead, it ended up being um, you know kind of trust that got that spot, that opportunity there against Cincinnati. And mixed results, you know, probably didn't have his best game there, but clearly he had worked his way up the program ranks enough to kind of be in that spot there at that time and all of a sudden now kind of shifting around becoming a guard and getting a chance to play pretty well this also I think kind of coincides with some of the stuff that Smart said on Monday as well and if you go to the Dog Nation YouTube page you can hear this maybe we'll play the audio for you at some point in time this week we don't quite have time to right now but the notion that well Broderick Jones also been at left tackle for you for a couple of day you know a couple of games here given the injury to Jamari Salyer is there a chance that that Jones stays at left tackle and the the spot that Truss ended up occupying some on Saturday that actually you end up going with Jamari Salyer one of those guard spots and you know that becomes your best five here the rest of the way and Smart was certainly very non-committal on that essentially you know not just sidestepping the question but just flat out rejecting the chance to answer that saying he didn't want to tell anybody what he was thinking about that but we know these are the things that George is considering and we know that for as dominant as Georgia has been, and there's no question this is the number one team in the country right now. We talked about some of the statistical stuff that backs that up yesterday. The fact that Georgia is not just distancing itself from the rest of the country right now, but really on both sides of the ball from a statistical standpoint is actually putting itself in some pretty rare company in terms of recent great teams in college football, the likes of 2012 Alabama, 2013 at Florida State. You can go back and listen to yesterday's show for more on that. But even in the midst of a season like that, there are going to still be some concerns. There are going to still be some things that you're working to improve, working to get better at. And I think for Georgia right now, that offensive line is obviously one of those issues. It remains to be seen. Will this group be able to get it done? It's not obvious that it won't. 
But when you want to make those comparisons to the best Kirby Smart team before 2017, there are a lot of reasons to suggest that this uh, current Georgia crop could be on pace to, to outperform what 2017 did here. But the one area in which that's probably not true as of yet, a 2017 team very quietly put a very effective offensive line together. And if you want to know the simplest reason why Georgia's results that season were so much better than they had been the year before, when you know, 2016, Georgia struggled. Eight and five, they were having a hard time even getting wins against really pretty meager opponents. Year over year, tremendous growth. Year over year, much better team. Obviously, Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle coming back were a big part of that. But the success that Chubb and Michelle had in 2017, better than they had been the year before, some of that was due to Nick getting healthier, but a lot of that was due, they're just running behind a better offensive line. So if you're looking for where this this current Georgia team here in 2021 still has some work to do to match what that 2017 team did, being better, especially in the interior of your offensive line, creating more opportunities for those running backs, that may be the one area right now where this current crop is still lacking in comparison to what 2017 was able to get done. And maybe a personnel switch gives that a chance to happen, whether it's Trust staying in the lineup or or Jones staying in the lineup and moving Salyer over. That's clearly the kind of thing that uh, Georgia coaches are watching closely and making a plan for. It's also the kind of thing that I think Georgia fans are paying good attention and close attention to there as well. And I believe that is with good reason. It's around the doghouse. It's Furnished today by our friends at Rooms to Go, and obviously it's the time of year in which you're at home, it's holiday season, and you get that fire in the fireplace, start decorating for Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever you're decorating for. You just love being home this time of year, and comfortable furniture, good-looking furniture is a big part of what makes you feel cozy when you're in your home, and if you feel like your home could use a little work there in that regard, then Rooms to Go is where you want to go to get all that taken care of, whether it's that one piece of furniture or whether it's the entire room. After all, Rooms to Go is famous for helping you furnish the entire room if you need to, whether it be dining room, bedroom, living room, your kid's room, obviously outdoor furniture. What a great holiday gift that might be for those that want to take more advantage of their outdoor living space. Rooms to Go gives you a chance to do that there as well. Also, if you just need that accent piece, Rooms to Go has got that for you too. So you can start your shopping experience at roomstogo.com. That's the word two spelled out T-O, roomstogo.com. Or you can go by in-store and sit on the furniture, feel it, lay down on it, you know, get the experience of what it's going to be like to have that right there in your home. However you feel like starting your shopping experience online or in-store, Rooms to Go can take good care of you. And they can furnish everything you need to make your home feel exactly and look exactly the way that you want it to look around the doghouse. Furnished today by our friends at Rooms to Go. All right, before we're done here, a lot to do. Uh, There are big-time coaching rumors out there around the SEC. We will cover all of that on today's program. College Football Playoff Top 25 re-released last night. little chatter coming off that. Probably not a ton, but there's a little bit of chatter and discussion happening around that right now, so we will cover that. I'll give you more clues about how you can be a part of our Big Dog Nation tailgate on the day of the SEC championship. But for now, on everything happening with the dogs, on the competition for UGA in a pursuit of a national championship. Let's cover it all. Special guest on the program today, it's Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. Glad to have him with us. Glad to have all of you with us as well. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Special guest on today's program, Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. Always glad uh, to have him because you know, Tony's knowledge of UGA and, and knowledge of what's happening around the SEC is obviously so, so high. 
you know, Tony, you've seen a lot of Georgia teams. I made a brief comparison a moment ago to the 2017 team. Obviously, you know, we can go back to the 1980s, 1982, the last time Georgia was unbeaten in conference play. This Georgia team, the first ever to go 8-0 in uh, conference play here. I mean, I think as you watch the rest of the season unfold, you really see a lot of examples of the fact that right now this current Georgia team almost stacks up really pretty well with almost any team that Georgia's ever had in its program history. Would you agree with that? I, w- I would agree with that. I, matter of fact, I had a chance to talk to Coach Dooley a couple of weeks ago, Coach Vince Dooley, and he said, he said the thing about the Georgia defense now, he said, you know, Georgia had some great defenses in 80, 81, 82, and 83 in that four-year stretch. Coach Dooley's point was that the thing about those defenses, he said, you know, we had about four or five really, really great players and a lot of really good players. He said, you look at the, you look at the front seven of this Georgia defense and you say, how many of these guys are going to get drafted? Probably all of them. Yeah. And so he said that is the difference, is the, the talent and the depth of this Georgia defense and an offense that's finally starting to heal up and show some things. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, and I think that the concern that some Georgia fans have, though, is, well, you had uh, – you know, these great defenses in, you know, 2018, 2019, those are teams for Georgia that kind of came short, missed the college football playoff. They came up just short on all of that. And in big games, some of those good defenses, you know, got all they wanted from a great offense. Think about the 2017 mm-hmm. team against Oklahoma, the 2018 team giving up 35 to Alabama, or the 2019 team giving up 37 to LSU. And admittedly, as a fan of this team, somebody who wants Georgia to win, that's on my mind a little bit here, there as well. But, Tony, the one thing I keep coming back to is, and admittedly, I hope I don't end up being disappointed about this. The one thing that I think makes this defense different is is you do have a level of NFL talent here that's really unmatched by anything that, even in the smart era, that Georgia's been able to do. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, you know, they're sacking quarterbacks more. They're just more aggressive. They're impactful. You know, the previous version of Kirby Smart defenses were pretty stingy, I would say. They didn't give up very many yards, didn't give up very many points, but they were nowhere near, I believe, as impactful as this Georgia defense has turned out to be. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that, and the thing about it is this Georgia defense dictates the game. Okay, This this, this Georgia defense controls what the other team can do. Uh, you, you, could, you could see it in the Tennessee game. Yeah, Tennessee came out, first possession, moved the ball down the field, but after that, uh, Georgia pretty much dictated uh, all day long. Coaches in this league, what would get them is the fact that uh, when Georgia substitutes, particularly on that front and on front, the people that come in are just as good. And so that depth, particularly when you get to November, as we are now, that depth is a, a wonderful thing to have. I want to ask you a couple questions about Georgia's chief competition here in the SEC. Before that, real quick, I don't know if you had a chance to hear this, but there was some audio that got leaked out supposedly of Kirby Smart uh the Florida halftime it's funny the modern age which we live in when really nothing is a secret anymore nothing is private anymore but obviously uh a very intense side of Kirby Smart there if you want to know what it's like to be in one of those locker rooms uh, and 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 the intensity there within I guess that audio does a pretty good job of uh, demonstrating that for you does it not well, I'll I'll follow. I will agree with what our man Seth Emerson said on Twitter. I'm just totally shocked that a coach <laughs> would use salty language in the middle of a great rivalry. I'm just shocked that something like that would happen. Now, I, I frankly I haven't listened to it. I really don't care about it. But it is it is interesting uh, what people do care about. Yeah, no, it certainly is. When you look across the uh, the conference here, moment Alabama, and it's not a guarantee yet that Alabama 
is going to be in the SEC championship. They got two relatively decent tests still remaining. Arkansas this week, uh, Auburn injured near the following week, and they've lost the last two times they've been there. But I'm going to go for the sake of conversation and presume that Alabama does win the SEC West. How well do you think Georgia matches up with Alabama right now? And I guess vice versa. Uh, what can Alabama do in your mind that pre- 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 presents a problem for Georgia? Well, what Alabama can do is, is you know, uh, they, their offense is they they can run the ball, they throw it exceedingly well. Bryce Young is a, a mobile quarterback that extends plays and buys time with his legs, and uh, they're just you know they're not otherworldly like they were last year, but they're still really really good. And if I'm a Georgia fan, what I'm concerned about is kind of what you were concerned about going into the Tennessee game. Do they hit? Do they hit us with the big plays? If anybody's going to challenge Georgia, it's going to be because of their ability to hit big plays in the passing game. You're not going to drive the ball 80 yards against that defense, uh, running the ball, stuff like that. So that, if I'm a Georgia fan, that's my primary concern is the big plays coming out of their passing game. Alabama's defense is good. It's not great. Uh, and so what Georgia's got to do is avoid – I think if Georgia can avoid giving up the big play, uh, I think they'll be fine. When I look at Alabama, I, I think that they are justifiably the number two team in the country right now. I don't know how you feel about that, but I, I couldn't make a strong yeah. case for anyone being above Alabama. And here is where I think I'm a little bit different than some of, I know Kirk Herbstreet's kind of argued against this. Other prominent voices have there as well. Tony, I can't be sure that a number two team playing Georgia close, even if it loses, and even if it has two losses, which Alabama would, I can't be sure that team would be excluded from the playoff. I think there's a chance they would not be. I am still of the mind that Georgia may have to beat Alabama twice to win the national championship. What do you think about that? You know, I saw Jerry Palm, CBSSports.com, in his projections, he had Alabama losing to Georgia and they're still making the playoffs with two losses. Uh, that would be the entertainment value on that would be something to behold from our friends in the in the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve and uh, Cincinnati. Uh, can it happen? Yeah, because it's clear from listening to Gary Barta, the chairman of the committee, it's clear that they really like Alabama. I mean, obviously Georgia's number one, but they really like Alabama at number two. So I I think it is possible, but my oh my. If two SEC teams get in, what, for the second time in four years, uh, there is going to be some upset folks. Well, if we want to game this out for a moment, here to me is the easy way that it happens. I think you've gotten a couple of clues thus far. This committee doesn't think much of Oklahoma. They were not rated very high when they were undefeated. After losing, they've obviously dropped a good bit. They are now outside of the previous threshold for how low you can be ranked and still make the college football playoff. So, that puts the entire Big 12 in jeopardy, I believe, there. Notre Dame kind of sits there as a pretty impressive one-loss team right now, but given the fact their one loss was to Cincinnati, it seems right. like it would be difficult to maneuver Notre Dame into a playoff unless you also include Cincinnati, something I don't think the committee really wants to do there. You know, Oregon's got Utah this week on the road. That's not an easy game as it is. They've also had a hard time finishing these seasons in the past when they've had a chance to, to be a playoff team. It's almost like the thing for Alabama could be that some of the would-be you know, occupants of that spot, they may just either not be able to be taken or kind of fall by the wayside along the way. That could be the path that it ends up being cleared for Alabama there. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And what, if you're Alabama, and if Frank, if you're Cincinnati, you need for Oregon to lose to Utah and get get out of the picture there. 
because Oregon's other losses to Stanford are a pretty pretty bad Stanford team. They've got that one on the road at Ohio State, but two lo- Alabama at two losses is going in over an Oregon at two losses. Yeah, and I think the path to Cincinnati is for Oregon to lose as well. Because look, Georgia gets Georgia is obviously in the Big Ten champion Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State is going to be in. Uh, the question is, who's the third team in? Is it Oregon? Is it Cincinnati? Uh, and so, you know, I, I just think Alabama can get in with two losses. I, I just know the entertainment value is going to be off the chart. Oh, there's no question about that. Let me give you, I guess, kind of one more thing to consider here, and then uh, we'll let you go. I think it's still very interesting how involved the Big Ten is in all of this. And, and to me, it sort of feels like, this is more than just three teams competing for one spot between Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. Much the same way we're talking about, well, what if two SEC teams make the college football playoff? I think there's a confluence of events could, that could still occur that could also see two Big Ten teams make the playoff potentially there as well. Not an easy needle to thread, but I can't rule that out either that the Big Ten, to me, unlike the other conferences that are struggling to even find a playoff contender, the Big Ten right now I, I think has – a couple of legitimate ones in Michigan State with a chance to really prove itself against Ohio State there on Saturday. That league to me right now is actually really interesting. It is really interesting, and I think when all is said and done, based on what I've seen, I think Ohio State is, is clearly playing their best football of the year and better than those two. But they all play each other. I mean, Michigan Michigan State plays Ohio State and Penn State. Uh, Michigan plays uh, Michigan plays. Uh, Maryland this week and Ohio State next week. Of course, Ohio State has their schedule. So is it possible for two Big Ten teams to get in? Yeah, but i, I got a feeling that's probably not going to happen. Should I take that statement from you, though, to mean that beyond Alabama, you think Ohio State would be the next toughest test for Georgia? Should I take that to, to, to mean that? Yes, uh, you should, because right now they're playing at a very, very uh, high level. Uh, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, they have, they have figured some. They made some adjustments early in the season after they lost to Oregon, and those are paying off really well. So yeah, if I'm Georgia, uh, other than Alabama, Ohio State is the team that I'm most worried about. Tony, great stuff. Always appreciate your college football insight. And of course, you're uh, producing a lot of content there online for folks who want to find you on social media or whatever else you got going on. How can uh, folks get in touch with uh, you outside of this program here? Well, on Twitter, we're still at Mr. CFB. And our website is TMG College Sports, which is under the SI.com umbrella, SI slash TMG slash dot com. Great stuff, Tony. Thanks for your time. Appreciate you being here, and we'll look forward to hopefully getting a chance to speak to you soon, okay? All right, Brandon. Take care. Hey, good stuff there from Tony Barnard. Always appreciate having him as part of the program. Also want to remind you to stay up to date on everything happening around UGA. Check out dognation.com. Big time reports coming up from Kirby Smart Press Conference, all the things going on at Georgia practice there as well. And that practice coverage, that practice report brought to you by our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau. So if you want to find out Kirby Smart yesterday, pretty interesting update on George Pickens. Obviously, a look at the seniors getting ready to play their final game at Sanford Stadium. Some are, some aren't. We don't quite know all the full details on that. Injury updates on Dominic Blaylock, uh, Kendall Milton, a bunch of stuff online for you. Dog Nation YouTube page, dognation.com. But that practice coverage brought to you by our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau. Here's the other thing that Georgia Farm Bureau knows. That for so many of you, 
you're talking about getting to work each and every day, and that requires dependable transportation. And that dependable transportation also requires dependable auto insurance. What that means is you want an auto insurance provider that keeps its promises to you. And that's what Georgia Farm Bureau has been doing for folks across our state since 1959. They keep their promises. They serve you well with local you know, folks who are helping with your claim or walking you through the options when you first get signed up for coverage. It's folks who live and work and just you know, do life in the communities all across the state of Georgia, much like the one that you're in, much like the one that I'm in. That's what Georgia Farm Bureau is. They're always the home team. You can find out more about them, gfbinsurance.com. That's gfbinsurance.com. And you can find out more about what Georgia Farm Bureau can do for you for your auto insurance. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. How much fun is it to have Tony Barnhart on this show on a day like this, looking at the Really, the historic nature of what Georgia's doing right now. 8-0 for the first time ever. Undefeated in conference play for the first time since the early 1980s, back when they played fewer conference games. And, I mean, you start to get the sense that if this thing finishes the way that it's supposed to finish, this is a Georgia team that won't take a backseat to anyone, certainly in program history and maybe even recent college football history there as well. But obviously there is a lot to do before you get there, and there is nothing I can do to relieve the tension that December and January is going to bring with it. Big games just bring big feelings. That's why you want a fiery coach. We kind of jokingly played some of the audio of the speech against Florida. You you know, you want to you want to um uh you want a coach that has that kind of energy. You want a coach that's that's fiery like that because it takes that kind of intensity to match the intensity that exists in a big game like the ones that uh Georgia is about to play. It's also one of the reasons why we've pushed Dog Nation unification around here. There are going to be people who try to stir it up, you know, whatever else. Um, you know, but but Dog Nation, by and large, is really unified around the concept that that this team this year has come together in a unique way. That for Georgia, for other college football programs, there aren't going to be very many examples of a team that has bought into the mission seemingly as well as Georgia has bought into this mission. It's not quite the same team we thought we are going to have. Uh, if you want to go back to like spring, summer, into the start of the preseason, a lot of injuries have changed a lot about the way that Georgia's looked on the field, but the results themselves are every bit as good as we ever could have hoped they would be. Kirby Smart says, this is our flipping, to use the word that I used in the uh, edit a little earlier, this is our year. There's no reason to believe that isn't true. Certainly no reason to believe that whatsoever, and the uh, postseason going to be a push there in that regard. All right, with that said, let's go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. You want to talk about a, a ship that can't be stopped? Maybe that's what Georgia football is on the field, but on the seas. How about Odyssey of the Seas from Royal Caribbean? What an unbelievable vessel this is. I mean, this is just – like when I watch this video, and I realize you know, we have tens of thousands of people who are listening – you know, podcast, radio, everything else. You're not seeing what I'm seeing right now, but you should do a search for this. You should see this for yourself. This Odyssey of the Seas and the entertainment options that are that are uh, you know provided for you, whether it be the the ice skating shows, the Broadway style productions, the the, the, the diving shows, the I'm talking about world class entertainment, special you know artists and residents type thing. Just unbelievable, unbelievable entertainment options that uh, fill up this ship to go along with the specialty dining like Chops Grill or those cool bars and lounges where you can get a chance to enjoy a beverage and look across the unmatched vistas, the beautiful 
beautiful seas there sailing through the Caribbean. This is going out of Port, uh, I should say, uh, Fort Lauderdale right now for a few months. It's going to be uh, shifting to Europe after that. But you can be on the ship. You can, you know, do go to Playmaker Sports Bar and Grill. You can do the bumper cars. You can play the laser tag. You can enjoy the the orchestra that's in there for the for the for the shows in the house. I mean, it's just a wonderful, wonderful experience. A lot of the itineraries also go to Perfect Day Coco Cay, which is a cool thing you've heard me talk about before. So check them out online. The website for the Cruise and Vacation Authority, that's the folks we want you to go to to get your uh, travel booked, tcava.com. That's tcava.com. Or give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. And we may, we may have a big announcement coming up with our friends at Royal Caribbean here very soon. I'm not supposed to say that, but uh, that's a little bit of a tease. So we will talk more about that at the time. For now, let's go cruise around the SEC and get some SEC news here for you. And there is a, a lot to talk about. A lot of this is related to coaching rumors. And admittedly, we're probably a little slow in doing this on the show because there was the flight plan rumor the other day. I love flight tracking season. I love, I mean, I love coaching rumors as much as I love the games. I always have and I always will. My, my specific part of the coaching rumor stuff that I always really enjoy is the stuff related to private jets leaving so-and-so to go to so-and-so. And, you know, these college football communities are small towns. You don't see a lot of private jets going from, you know, a random place to random place unless it's for a reason. And so there was a flight tracker the other day that spotted a plane leaving Norman, Oklahoma and going to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And a lot of folks were like, ooh, Lincoln Riley interested in the LSU job. And, you know, other things have kind of, you know, kind of erupted since then to maybe make you wonder if that was true. Uh, Riley was asked about that yesterday. He kind of gave what I thought was one of those non-denial denials which is not the same thing as saying I think he's taking the LSU job, but I don't believe what Riley said about the overtures potentially from LSU were nearly as emphatic as what Jimbo Fisher said. Now, what I, here's what I also believe, is that coaches like to be wanted, not just to stroke their ego, but to counteract the fact that there is high pressure to win everywhere. Now, you know, outside the SEC, which at least for now Oklahoma still is, it's different than inside the SEC, but Lincoln Riley's at a program where Bob Stoops won a national championship, where Barry Switzer won national championships, where the coach prior to that, the big guy, Bud Wilkinson, once won 47 consecutive games. The highest possible expectations for winning is what the standard is there at Oklahoma. And while Lincoln Riley's been in the playoff a couple of years and Oklahoma's fun to watch, they produce Heisman Trophy winners, they haven't won a playoff game yet. So at a certain point, the collar gets a little tight around Lincoln Riley, whether it should or whether it shouldn't, fair or not. That's just kind of the way that it happens. And so the way that you push back against that is you say, oh, you're not sure if you want me. You're getting tired of me. Well, maybe I'm getting tired of you. Maybe I'm flirting with LSU. Sometimes that's all this is. And with Lincoln Riley, we'll find out if there's more to that. Another coaching rumor that's out there, and we'll do more of this on SEC Country Live later on today, is the Virginia Tech job is now open. Justin Fuente has been fired. Fuente is one of those guys that was kind of a hot coaching name. I think most of us thought he'd probably do pretty well there, leaving Memphis to go there. It hasn't quite worked out. Sometimes it doesn't. But obviously everybody knows, okay, the legendary coach at uh, Virginia Tech was Frank Beamer. And Beamer's son, Shane Beamer, is now head coach at South Carolina, who's had a you know pretty good year, but a pressure cooker in the SEC. Is Blackburg, uh, Virginia, does that feel like home to him? Is this one of those things where he wants to go there? Maybe he trades uh, you know, the, the prestige of being in the SEC for a higher quality of life, standard of living, and that – you can survive longer at Virginia Tech with good to decent seasons than you can at a place like South Carolina. Or maybe he just wants to you know, fulfill the Beamer legacy at the place that made Frank a legend, 
one way or another, that's going to be kind of out there for Shane Beamer. We'll kind of watch that a little bit. You know, Beamer has talked a lot about how much South Carolina feels like home. In fact, he was, you know, what, you know, just deep connections. Obviously, a former assistant there in the Gamecock staff, but other deep connections there too to the state of South Carolina. You know, coaches say a lot of things that turn out not to be quite their authentic truth. But in the case of Beamer, you wonder how much of that was just make-believe and how much Beamer does really view South Carolina as kind of a destination job for him. That's a pretty interesting thing to kind of pay attention to. Uh, you got Will Anderson now being talked about for the Heisman Trophy, the Alabama linebacker. That's out there a little bit. And listen, this is all a day late and a dollar short. We've jokingly said before that uh, – you know, this is another example of Alabama kind of copying Georgia, we believe. We've obviously gotten the JD to NYC train down the tracks a pretty good bit. And here's Alabama kind of coming to say, hey, don't forget about Will Anderson. Anderson was asked about that this week, and he kind of demurred on all of that. Honestly, this tells you two things. First of all, Alabama's way too late to try to get Anderson truly involved in all of this. But the other thing here is this, is that statistics alone are not enough to have this conversation. It's one of the reasons why people say, well, B.A., why aren't you pushing, say, N'Kobe Dean for the Heisman Trophy? Look at his statistics. Totally understand that. I think N'Kobe Dean is legitimately one of the best players in college football, and legitimately he may be the best, having the best individual season for anyone on the Georgia roster. But when you talk about a defensive player winning the Heisman Trophy, it's such an outlandish idea just given what the recent track record has been. It's going to take more than stats to be a part of that. And the thing that actually hampers Anderson's pursuit of the Heisman Trophy, even though he's got great stats, is the fact that the Alabama defense is kind of only okay. If great stats were an individual player were enough, Chase Young would have gotten the thing a couple of years ago. I mean, Kirby Smart's talked about this before. Is like you see these great defensive players, you know, drafting the top five, they're getting the millions of dollars, but they don't get Heisman consideration. If great stats alone were enough, then Chase Young would have had his moment a couple of years ago, or any other player that you want to mention who's put up those similar, you know, kind of Ruthian level stats for an individual season. It's just not the way it goes. That it's got to be, you know, what the phrase that Kirk Herbstreit's used to describe Georgia elite intangibles, the thing that's going to get you over the hump in a Heisman discussion is not the tangible thing, the stats that you measure. It's the elite intangibles, the way that you represent an idea. The reason why Jordan Davis stands head and shoulders above Will Anderson, both literally and figuratively, is not because he's necessarily a better player, although he might be, and it's not because he has better stats. He clearly doesn't. It's because he represents something about the Georgia defense that's just been better than Alabama all year long, and that's why that is. So so that's kind of the idea there around um, Will Anderson and kind of why we think that Jordan Davis is just the better option all the way along there. All right, so uh, I want to give you a quick update on this. So uh, looks like Heinz Ward's got a new job here. He's been promoted now. Um, uh, it's going to be the Florida Atlantic wide receivers coach. This is a guy that years ago really made a big show about wanting to be an assistant coach at Georgia. At the time, it was kind of poo-pooed and um, you know, kind of disregarded. And Heinz uh, Ward says that, but is he really willing to go and grind and put the work in to be an assistant coach? Well, the answer to that question has turned out to be yes, he is. Now, I honestly don't know what Heinz Ward views as his personal ambition now. We haven't heard him speak about this in a while. And frankly, I think that Georgia's got a really good wide receivers coach in Cortez Hankton. I don't think Hankton's going anywhere anytime soon. I think that Hankton is a real valuable weapon for UGA. So this is not me talking about Ward coming to Georgia. That's not what I'm saying here. But I did want to squeeze this into our SEC through in that what we're seeing now from some of these coaches, or should say some of these former players who want to be coaches, 
is they are embracing the grind. I think some people at one point in time thought Hines is too rich. He's too busy. You know, Hines had a kind of a big life outside of football. You know, he's on Dancing with the Stars or you know, done a lot of TV and things like that. I think a lot of folks wondered, does this guy really want to roll up his sleeves and go be the low man somewhere and kind of work his way up the ranks? Well, I think he's showing you that, yeah, he's willing to do that. Even though his legacy as a football player is well-established, he's willing to start from ground zero when it comes to being a coach. So I don't know what that means for his future, but I do think that's pretty cool that a guy who said he wanted to be a coach, a lot of folks kind of rolled their eyes and acted like that uh, Ward didn't know what he's getting into. He's fully embracing it right now. And sometimes the timing doesn't quite work out that, that Georgia may not ever need a wide receivers coach again. And Ward may end up going to coach somewhere else besides his alma mater. But credit to him for not just saying something, but actually doing something and, 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 and realizing just how much it takes to, to be an assistant coach and starting at the bottom rung of the ladder. You know, he worked in the NFL for a while. Now he's at, at Florida Atlantic or, you know, he's kind of like that bottom rung right now, but he's more than happy seemingly to work his way up. And we'll see what that means for his future. But I at least wanted to mention that because I thought that was uh, thought that was kind of cool. We'll make that cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. All right, before I get back to Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs here, let me also give you a couple more things here just for a minute too. We've been telling you now about this now for a while. The big event happening on SEC Championship Saturday. Now, every time I say this, tickets go flying off the shelves. And we're trying to make the tailgate as big as we possibly can. We've got space in the Home Depot backyard to do that. But, y'all, there's beverage limits. There's food limits. There's, you know, we can't just bring in every single person who wants to. We've got to be a little bit, um, I want to say selective about it. We, 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 you know, this is one of those offer available for a limited time type things because eventually we've just got all the capacity we can reach. But for now, we still do have some tickets available for our chase for the championship tailgate. It's uh, going to start on SEC Championship Saturday. That's when the chase for the championship begins for UGA in Atlanta for the SEC Championship game. We're going to celebrate that with a huge tailgate, open bar, all the food you can eat, entertainment, a Dog Nation chase for the championship t-shirt. We believe the chase for the championship for UGA begins in Atlanta. We think it ends in Indianapolis, and we're going to go with UGA on the entire ride here, and we want you to be a part of that when it gets going there on SEC Championship Saturday. It's from noon to 3 p.m. at the Home Depot backyard, which is literally the perfect location. It's right there next to the stadium. This is going to be incredible. So if you go to dognation.com, right there at the top of the page, there is a link for your chase for the championship ticket to be a part of that tailgate. Enjoy the food. Enjoy the beverage. Uh, get yourself a Dog Nation t-shirt. We're going to be hanging around that day. We'll be watching the football. It's just going to be a great time. Ask anybody who was with us for the, for the Charlotte event earlier this year or any of the other invasion stuff that we've done over the years. It's always a great, great time. Classy, fun. This is going to be it. So while there's still a chance, get your tickets to dognation.com for more on that. All right. With Charleston Southern coming in on Saturday, there is a lot of curiosity right now about what else we might see from Georgia beyond just the regular stuff we've grown accustomed to. Stetson Bennett, JT Daniels, whatever's going on there, the other stuff related to the, the offense. You know, a lot of folks are kind of looking to see some of those guys that have contributed depth for Georgia. Maybe they'll get their chance to play on Saturday. Now, Kirby Smart wasn't asked directly if quarterbacks Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff would play on Saturday, but with the mind towards that they might play, his evaluation of Vandergriff and Beck did come up. And I thought Kirby said something pretty interesting about this. This is from last night. What he's seen from Brock, what he's seen over the course of time from Carson Beck. A lot of Georgia fans would love to see them both. 
on Saturday. We don't quite know if we will. Obviously, the game will dictate some of that. Plus, JT Daniels needs to play too. But nonetheless, Smart gave you a pretty interesting evaluation of his third and fourth string quarterbacks, uh, both of them highly regarded recruits. This is Kirby on Beck and Vandergriff. Take a listen to this. I've seen Brock a lot up close because he's been the scout team uh, quarterback. You know, he's simulated a lot of these guys that we've had. Um, really athletic, uh, makes throws on the run, uh, very accurate, um, competitive. You know, he, he, he likes going against that defense each day. He doesn't always have the best protection, but we're not hitting him either. Um, so he's done a really good job. Uh, Carson's continued to grow. You know, he, he hasn't had as many reps uh, as he had before, you know, before he was working with the twos. And now his reps come through either mental reps, walkthrough reps, or threes reps, which we get some uh, in practice. So I've been very pleased with both of the developments. And to be honest with you, I got complete confidence in both those guys as quarterbacks because I think they're, they're really, uh, really talented players. That's a phrase that Smart has used quite a bit, the notion of having complete confidence. You know, he said that for a while. And I know a lot of folks remember back when Stetson Bennett first emerged after uh, one of the JT Daniels injuries. And a lot of folks were wondering, well, I thought it would be Carson Beck. We were kind of led to believe that Carson Beck might be the number two quarterback, and yet it was Bennett, because of I think his previous starting experience, ended up emerging there as the starter. And at that point in time, I think you were kind of left to wonder, what's going on with Carson Beck? And like the one thing I've said over and over again is, is that Beck's not behind schedule. This is just his second year in, in, in college, and his first year was the strangest year in the history of college football given the pandemic. And I'm certain that not having a spring practice and all the other things that happened from that I'm certain that had a little bit of an impact on, on Carson and probably hampered his development, maybe. But apparently it hasn't hampered his development so much that Smart has something less than confidence in him, it sounds like he does. And obviously Brock Vandergriff kind of the same way. That if you want to go back to, like, say, 2016, Georgia really needed a true freshman quarterback. If it didn't have Jacob Eason, it might not have had much of a quarterback at all, with all due respect to Grayson Lambert. Uh, in 2017, Georgia was kind of in that same boat there at that time where – hey, Eason gets hurt, and if Georgia doesn't have another true freshman quarterback, man, they're just in a really tough spot. But that's kind of where you expect to be sometimes when you're a brand-new head coach, when you're you know kind of rebooting a program from scratch. You just kind of expect to have some needs then that you hope you don't have later on. And now here in 2021, the Georgia program has grown. The Georgia program is not quite as desperate for – freshman true freshman or second year quarterbacks as it would have been back then all of a sudden now it's experience that matters all of a sudden now it's comfort in the system that matters all of a sudden now it's the luxury don't think this isn't a luxury for a guy like Brock Vandegrift in particular I'll mention him for a moment for a guy like Brock Vandegrift to get a chance to be scout team quarterback even if he's not (laughs) Kirby says being protected very well back there uh, to be scout team quarterback going up against this defense getting a chance to even if you're using some other offensive systems you're still getting into the flow of game you're still getting a chance to go out there and play you don't think that Brock Vandegriff is utilizing that to potentially become a better player for someone like Carson Beck who's just immersed in all of this now in a way that he wasn't able to do that a year ago my feelings about Carson Beck haven't changed at all given the fact that that he hasn't really been able to play this year my belief is if anything that Carson Beck is doing what other SEC quarterbacks have done what I'm not going to say he'll ever be as good as Mac Jones was it'd be hard to be as good as Mac Jones was but Mac Jones came to Alabama in the class of 2017 signed in the same class with Tua Tungovailoa and Jones was literally an afterthought but when his career was done after waiting for a long time to get on the field a long time to get on the field eventually emerges a first round pick now he's starting for the New England Patriots 
that's the results and that's the rewards that sometimes come from being patient. And this year, it's been a year of, I'm sure, tried patience for for Beck, maybe less so for Vandergriff because he just arrived here, but he wants to play too. He's a competitor. Maybe Saturday provides that opportunity, and maybe we'll get a chance to see just how much these guys have grown and developed, and maybe we'll get a chance to see exactly why Kirby Smart has so much confidence in them. But one way or another, much the same way we wouldn't say the absence of playing time meant Channing Tindall wasn't a very good player. He's proving to you right now that he certainly very much is. Or Latavius Brigney, who waited a long time to play and yet has been a big contributor for Georgia here this year. Sometimes you wait. Sometimes you wait because of the overall depth of the roster. Right now, Beck and Vandergriff are guys who are being asked to wait. But one day their wait might be over, and they may get a chance to shine at their position as much as some other patient Georgia players are currently shining at theirs. All right, let's uh, give a shout-out to our friends at Marco's Pizza here, and we'll tell you that you're getting ready for some football this weekend. You're getting ready for (laughs) – to me, it's always – the post leftover hangover from Thanksgiving at a certain point you've had all the Thanksgiving leftovers you can have you want something different well Marco's Pizza is a great different thing for you to enjoy after all of that order online Marco's app Marco's.com take advantage of great savings including a bundle of a large one topping pizza the pizza bowl which is like the pizza flavor without the crust and cheesy bread it's all just $21.99 right now so that's great savings you can check all of that out Marco's.com the Marco's app Marco's Pizza pizza lovers get it so, quick confession here, and one of our video commenters called me out on this a little earlier. I worked probably a little harder than I would like to admit on getting the uh, Kirby Smart edited audio together a little earlier. So, I almost didn't have a golden shoe at all. I had some golden shoes planned today because we've been overrun with very good golden shoe submissions. But I had to kind of just kind of get something together kind of quick here. So, we're going to give out a golden shoe today, and this will probably lead to another Friday. We'll do a golden shoes dump here at a certain point in time. And uh, get a bunch of these out there for you. But one of the things I talked about on social media was how much fun it was to see Neyland Stadium empty out on Saturday. That's the kind of thing I never get tired of seeing. Georgia literally running an opposing fan base out of its own stadium. And I shared my shot of that. A lot of Georgia fans shared their shot of that with me, including our buddy Luke Barton here, saying clearing the stands at Rocky Top was great to see in person. I'm glad Luke got a chance to see that. We'll make him the golden shoe winner for today. And we'll remind you, speaking of lousy, stinking Gators, how about 240, I should say 346 days from right now, Georgia goes back to Jacksonville, beats up on Florida again, and will what was the phrase, uh, break them, break them on offense, break them on defense. Uh, yeah, good stuff from Kirby Smart. Check out dognation.com if you want to hear the unedited version of that. And we'll see you tomorrow here on Dog Nation Daily. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. We'll take a couple of your comments here really quickly. You can always submit them at dognation.com or on the uh, Twitter as well, at dognationdaily. This is not a podcast-specific comment. These are actually YouTube viewers. I think it's really cool. So Brian Kephart shares it with me that uh, he and K9 Blues, Enrique Murillo, these are longtime Dog Nation YouTube commenters reunited together to watch the Georgia-Tennessee game. How much fun is that uh, these guys got together to watch the game together? These are names that I've been mentioning on YouTube for a long time. And he had a funny joke in his tweet there as well, you know, the thrown mustard bottle the other day against Ole Miss. Uh, Brian says mustard is their choice because they can't catch up to the dogs. Uh, It's our flipping year. He's also making fun of me for the (laughs) comment from the show a little earlier. Uh, That is really good. Uh, Ali and Bark a lot and uh, Chris James, a lot of folks mentioned the Kirby Smart uh, audio. I just think it's incredibly entertaining, and I think it's a window into the intensity that exists for a coach like Kirby at Georgia. And I said this before to our video audience, that there's an amazing intersection for Kirby, 
in that as coaches get older, it becomes very hard for them to have the same energy level that Smart has right now. Eventually, I mean, energy is a finite resource, and eventually you just kind of use some of it up. And Kirby's still at an age right now where where he has this boundless energy, where he can be the one that motivates his team. Whereas for a lot of teams, older coaches, more stodgy, stuffy coaches, that speech might have to be outsourced to somebody else. You have to bring in some some muscle. You have to bring in – it's almost like you have to <laughs> – some of y'all don't like it when I do wrestling references. You have to bring in your own version of Paul Heyman to be your mouthpiece because, because you're not capable of delivering that speech yourself. But Smart's still young enough. He's still with it enough. He's still you know, comfortable enough in his own skin that he could be the one that does that. And yet, for the coaches who do have that fiery emotion, some of them are so young they don't quite have the, the, the wisdom that they need to truly lead an organization and, and do all the things that's required there. But Smart just kind of has a very nice cross-section of that you know he studied for a long time under the Nick Saban I think he spent a lot a lot of time thinking if I could ever be the coach of Georgia how would I want to run that organization it's smart you know uh you know kind of knows how to do it smart smart is 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 wise enough to have a plan and and buttoned up enough to execute that plan so you get the wisdom on the one side but you also get the you want the fiery passion. You want a coach who's a doer. You don't want a coach who's an overthinker. You want a coach who's a doer. And Smart's just clearly kind of a kind of a doer. And he kind of gets both of those um, kind of gets both those things pretty well. Not perfect. No one is. And it's not that Smart's incapable of error. I'm sure he makes some strategic errors from time to time. Anybody would. But for the most part, for the most part, Smart just brings what you want he, he brings that passion he brings that intensity if you ever see him during a practice he's as intense as any assistant coach even the ones that are younger than him he he just brings it each and every day and it's obvious that the players enjoy playing for him and of course we had some folks say well, what about the language listen i told you before that's not the language that i use but it's also not my place to judge anybody for the language they choose to use i just i don't i don't walk around thinking about what other people are saying I, it's, not, it's not that's not all i it is enough work for me to decide what i want to do for myself like by the time i've made my own decision about my own personal behavior i don't really have a ton of time to make decisions about other people's personal behavior very much for the most part i leave people to make their own choices and i make my choice and we just kind of go along with uh life on that but as a way of talking about why kirby's life is so different than ours Think about the pressure cooker that a coach finds himself in. You are a coach that the rewards for success are so high, millions of dollars, endless praise, everything else. But the flip side of that is it can all be taken away from you in an instance. When you look across the field, a guy like Dan Mullen wants to take that food off your table, so to speak. And the players that Kirby Smart leads are very much the same position. There are not enough NFL roster spots to go around. There are not enough championships to go around. There's not enough playing time on college rosters to go around. That there is an intense competition where everyone's fighting over a small, limited amount of resources. And the intensity of that idea is so profound that you have to do something to blow off steam. In the case of Smart, a big fiery speech and getting his guys all alpha'd up and ready to go out there and do that, 
that might just be his way of doing that. And who am I or who are any of us to say what's right or wrong in that particular instance? It's a locker room. He's an SEC coach. These are SEC players. They've heard this kind of talk before. I think it's really entertaining. I have a suspicion that was probably leaked intentionally by somebody because it's just too cool not to share. And that's just kind of that. So appreciate you being here for the R.S. Andrews podcast. Cool down. Make sure you check them out online, rsandrews.com, for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. You can find them there for all of that today. We'll see you back here for Dog Nation Daily again tomorrow. Hope all of you have a great day.